Let me just pray uh, this morning. God, I thank you for this time that we can have together, God. We are so grateful, Lord God, to be in your house, Lord God. Thank you that you have brought this morning who you wanted to bring, Lord God. You know, uh, we, 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 we completely offload any of the kind of weight of responsibility of who's here, who's not here, Lord God. As a pastor, I, I focus, God, on who you have brought here to this place. And I just pray, Lord God, and those who are online, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak and that you would uh, penetrate people's hearts and minds uh, this morning as you do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So look, church, we have been speaking as of recent times, about king, the king's resources, the king's resources. You know, when you understand that our king has resources that he offers to us to live equipped, to live abundantly, to live like we are the head and not the tail, when you have an understanding of that, you take a hold of the kingdom resources, the king's resources, and you live in a way that God intended for you to live. And of course, we've spoken about abundant grace being so important, so important. The oil, so to speak, of a car, the importance of, a, of the oil to a car is grace to a believer's life. We cannot operate without grace. I love the prayer that Joe was praying this morning. God, give us grace for this season, this fast-paced season, this, you know, this season of many things that we have to do during this Christmas time. Lord, give us your grace. And then, of course, last week, I spoke about the resource, the king's resource of money, money, possessions, and wealth. And you know what? I, I guess what I hope to achieve in last week and this week, because I want to go uh, another session of explaining, unpacking a little bit about the godly perspective of how we ought to see money, possessions, and wealth. There's a, there's a beautiful uh, story in the Bible that I think will help illustrate that and bring that to life. But my encouragement to you this morning is that, you know, you would be encouraged that you are not alone. You are not having to put this burden and this weight of, you know, provision upon your shoulders and feeling like it's up to me. I've got to struggle. I've got to carry this weight that is almost impossible. My heart is that you would realize that we have a God, a providing God, a good Father in heaven that will provide for us. So my, my, my prayer is that you would be encouraged from this word. I also want to say that you know I come from a place of hopefully humility. If you know Joe and my story, Right, it is one that is not necessarily a pretty one as far as our finance is concerned. We had a lot of ups and downs, and to be honest, we are still on this journey. Is anyone still on this journey? <laughs> is anyone still working it out, or has anyone figured it out? If you have, I'll come speak to you after the service. We are still figuring it out, but I will say that this, this word that I want to share this morning comes from a place of humility. It doesn't come from a place of, I'm an expert and I'm going to tell you how you need to do it. No, no, no. This is a place of God. Thank you for showing Joe and myself. Thank you for continuing to guide us, to teach us how it is that you want us to see how you see things and to be able to realign our way of thinking because we all have different backgrounds. We have different ways of growing up, things that we heard, 
things that without even you knowing, you've taken on as gospel truth. But it's important, church, that we base our life upon Scripture, upon what God is saying. And we, we make sure that any of that wrong way of thinking, we go, hang on, God, how do you want me to think? How does your Scripture want me to think? Amen? So last week, just a very quick, very quick summary. We talked a little bit about, we got a snapshot of what Jesus spoke as far as money, wealth, and possessions. Just a snapshot. And the heart of that, what we drew out of the heart of some of the beautiful scriptures that we presented were that there's a spiritual power behind uh, money because of what it promises. It promises that, you know, when you have it, you will be powerful. You will have control. You will be secure. You just don't have to worry anymore because I have something. We have happiness when we have finance. This is the promise. Contentment, right? We have this false right, way of thinking based upon this spiritual power behind money. It's dangerous when it gains our allegiance, okay, and becomes the focus of our time, the driver of our career. I think we were at Connect this week, and um, Calvin made a really great point about, you know, the focus of our time, the driver of our career. He said to me, he said, well, one of the principles that he's put in his life is that I will work Seven, uh, six days a week, but on Sunday, that's a day that I give to God. That's a day that you know I will put the stake in the ground that this is the, the, the day of the Lord. No other priority, no other financial focus is going to take my, uh, my, mind, my mind right now. I'm going to be in the house of God. So even something like that can be an indication of, hang on, maybe God, maybe I have to rethink my priorities, right? And finally, the enemy uses money to lure us into an ownership heart. Hey, it becomes your way of thinking. It's all ours. It's yours. It's yours. You earned it. You did it. You are the person. That's what the enemy would want us to think. And we can justify our ownership attitude very, very easily. But let me start today with going to the original plan right from the beginning. Because I think when you see how God had started, it helps us to understand where we are at and maybe where we need to be to understand how God started, where I'm at, and maybe, hang on a second, this is, this is the intention of God. This is how it was meant to be. I want to start with the creation story right at the beginning. When you look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2, um, by the way, Darius said to me the other day, he goes, and this is, this is to do with the creation story, he goes, if Adam and Eve didn't sin, we'd all be running around naked. And I go, How did you, when did you come up with that thought? And you're right, but that's just, that's just a disturbing thought. And that, that's Darius in a nutshell. He'll come up with the most random things. He's just clever like that. But God created the heavens. God created the heavens and the earth. God plants a garden in Eden where he puts Adam and Eve. And you see in Eden that everything belongs to who? It belongs to God. He created it. He made it. He owns it. 
I love what it says in Psalm 24.1. It says this. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Nothing has changed. The world is still the Lord's and its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. We get this picture that our role is simply to be a steward. We are to be a steward. God's design for the proper use of things that He, He gives us right from the beginning. Nothing has changed from God's original plan. Today, our money, possessions, and things belong to God. And we need to rethink how we think if that is not what we have understood. Our money possessions, it belongs to God. We, are, we were made to manage, right? You're made to manage what God owns. Tell somebody next to you, you were made to manage what God owns. Let, let somebody know. As a good steward, as a good steward, that's your occupation on earth. Genesis 2.15 says this, Then the Lord God took the man... And put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Okay, this, is, this belongs to me. But your role is to be in the garden to tend it and to keep it. In Eden, we get this sense that everything that God gives us, including wealth, possessions and resources, it's all good. It's actually all good. There's no guilt to it. It's all good. It's there to be used as God would have us to use it from the beginning. This is what I have given you, and this is what you ought to do with it, Adam. And of course, we know that Adam and Eve went about naming animals, and you know who knows what they were thinking with the different names of animals, right? Like, I don't know if maybe we could have done a better job. I don't know. <laughs> We see in Eden that there was an abundance, church. There was an abundance. There was more than enough. There was no need. God, creator, created. There was no need. There was an abundance. There was a joyful and a purposeful work. It was, isn't that cool? There was, it wasn't about feeling like, my work is a dead end or something like that. No, it was a joyful, it was purposeful work. And freedom, there was a freedom. There was a beautiful freedom. And they trusted God. Well, actually, I don't even know if they had to trust God because it was all provided for. There was probably not even the thought of like doubt of like, is God going to provide? They weren't heavy and burdened down. Now think about when I'm sharing this original plan to where you are at now, perhaps. Maybe as I'm sharing this purposeful, fruitful, freeing work, maybe that's not the place and space that you are living in today. So it's good to get a bit of an understanding of this is not just a story that happened. This is a story for us to reflect and to go, God, is, am I in a place that I'm heavy and I'm burdened? Lord, am I in a place where there is no freedom? Because it was all Him. 
and a blessing from Him to them. I'm talking about God's original plan for us with Him. And let me tell you something. What's very, very cool about what I'm sharing is later on in the New Testament, we see the Creator come in person. And this original plan in Matthew 6, He reminds us it's still the case. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. I am the one that provides. Just like I provided from the word say go, I am still the one. I own. I own everything. I am the provider. You need to look to me. No false sense of security in anything else. It's on me. It's what I have. No, 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 no. You need to look to God. Can anybody say amen? Come on. Blessing from him. I'm talking about God's original plan. But you know what? Something happens. The challenge, of course, is that then we come over to Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3. And we see the enemy comes along and he simply says this. He says, did God really say? And the enemy will say to us as we live this journey, did, did God really, did he really say? Can you, can you trust God? Is he really going to provide? This, this questioning, right? Of course, the enemy came as a deceiver. God's not telling you the whole thing, my friend. You need to know more. How can you trust a God who will not tell you everything? And we struggle with that sometimes, don't we? Because we can't see everything. You know, God's timing is not like ours, correct? Have you learned that by now? <laughs> Lord, your timing is off. No, it's not. Your timing is off, right? We learn that constantly, time and time again. God, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, it shouldn't because we're not going on our time clock. We're going on His time clock. Our responsibility is to trust. And then it comes this desire, the enemy, just like he did with Adam, it becomes this desire he puts in us that we want to become like God. Oh, no, I would never do that. I would never want to be like God. How dare you say that? We might say that we don't, but our actions reflect somebody who is trying to take the place that belongs to God. That's what our actions say. That's what our confession says. That's what our worry says. That's what our constant you know, arguments say. I'm in control. You're not. We want to be in control. The enemy says, because if you really do take from this tree, you will be like God. Just be like God. You'll know everything. You'll have understanding of what the future looks like. You'll be able to know right from wrong. You'll be able to call the shots, my friend. It's on you. You've got it all under control. Instead of everything under his lordship, right, suddenly you get a chance to control your life. 1 John 2.16 says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, what I have, who I am is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
a nice reminder, New Testament reminder that, hang on a second, right? This, is, this desire of control, of being the, that is not of God, that is of the world, reminds us in Scripture. Okay, so then what happens? We've talked about this deceiver coming and, hey, you can be like God. Then what happens? We get this heart, as we spoke about last week, that we own it all. It's mine. (laughs) And it's the enemy's, can I tell you something? It's the enemy's counterfeit view to God's plan and purpose. Here's the thing. The enemy will always present a counterfeit version of what God has intended for you and for me. Think about even in the whole, you know, when it comes to sex, right, and, and, and this topic, the enemy has tried to take something so beautiful, something so pure, designed by our God, right, and used it for himself and said, you know what, my version of this is better. It's a counterfeit version, right, of a good, wonderful path that promises so much. And what does it deliver? Nothing but pain, turmoil, hurt, right? Bondage, right? But the enemy, he will always present a counterfeit view to God's plan and purpose. God's plan and purpose, we know, is to be a steward of his provision and blessing in our lives. Our role changes from stewards of what is God's when we take on this counterfeit view to owners of what we believe is actually ours. I'm no longer a steward and a faithful servant of God. This belongs to me and I'll do what I want with it. The enemy interjects this counterfeit view of money, possessions and wealth. And let me tell you something. In a moment, I'm going to talk about the outcome of taking on this counterfeit view that you somehow are in control, that it's up to you to be able to possess and to be able to become great in this land. I'm going to show you the outcome of taking on this counterfeit view. And then I'm going to also show you, right, the key or the keys to staying clear of that path and saying, God, as long as I live, let my heart be in line with the fact that I am a faithful steward of all that is yours. And my heart is inclined unto you, asking you, God, help me to navigate this path the way you intended for me to do so. Amen. It now becomes, I earned it, I have it, it's under my control, and I will do how I feel best to do with it. Where there was abundance, the original plan, God provided it, Where there was trust, or like I even shared, maybe there wasn't even a need for trust because God had provided. That was a way of thinking that that was it. Where there was joyful work and freedom, suddenly now there's scarcity, fear, anxiety, and bondage. If I own and control it all, suddenly I don't have enough. Have you ever been in that place? I know I definitely have. I, it's, it's, it's all up to me, and now I don't feel like I have enough, and I'm the source of my provision. Do you know one, one guy once said to me, and it stuck with me to this day, such great advice. He said to me this. He said, Dave, don't ever take the place of God 
in your wife's view, as far as you saying you're the provider, your job as a husband, right, is to constantly turn the eyes of your spouse onto God the Creator. God is our provider. He provides, not me. He gives us the breath in our lungs. He gives us the ability to work with our hands. He gives us strength. He gives us grace to do that. He gives us opportunity. He allows us to live in the place that we live in. God is the provider. But when we take on the counterfeit view that the enemy would have us take on, it brings fear and your work is anxiety-driven suddenly because I must earn enough to pay for all the bills and give and save for retirement and all those things. <laughs> Christmas presents. The list goes on. And in the end, it becomes bondage rather than freedom. And do you know what? The enemy wants, to, wants you and I to live in that place. In that place of bondage, not freedom. And we must fight against it. We have to come up against it and say, no, 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 no. This is not how God intended it for it to be. We are called to steward and manage God's resources for His purposes. I'm telling you, when, when, when you are fulfilling God's purposes in your life, with everything you have, with everything you own, there is nothing more fulfilling than that. There is nothing more joyful than that. There's nothing more purposeful than that. We need to be content as Paul was content with what he had. Whether it was little or much, he was content. Isn't that the issue often? I know for me, right, I was impulsive as a young guy and I brought that into my marriage. When it came to finance, if I wanted something, I would go get it and I wouldn't let anybody stop me. I remember my father, we had Foxtel in our house and I wanted to get a $10 upgrade to have an extra box in my room. And my father, being a man of wisdom, said, hell no. <laughs> There's no way you're going to have Foxtel as a young adolescent guy in your room not happening. So me being a clever young man, impulsive, not content, driven, I went out to JB Hi-Fi or I think it was Dick Smith at the time. And I bought a little antenna that allowed it to pick up from the other room to my room. And what was even funnier, you'll love this, but I had a remote control and I would play with my father. Like he'd be watching the TV and I'd be changing the, remote, uh, changing the channel. And he'd be looking at the control like, I didn't change the channel, what's going on? Anyway, but the point is, right, I, I, I went into marriage with Joe. Joe helped me pay for... I think my car issues, believe it or not, right from the beginning of marriage, right, Joe? Right from the beginning. I, I, I wasn't a man that I would describe was content. If anything, the magazine, right, in the bathroom, I'll never forget it, I looked and I saw a DVD player and a TV and I thought, oh, i got a credit card. Oh, this is wonderful. I can go buy this. And I did. <laughs> and I accumulated debt. And so I'm speaking from a place of humility, not a place of cockiness, that contentment is something that God wants us to realize. 
He wants us to understand. It's not about what you have or what you don't have. It's coming to a place of gratitude and contentment. Not following or pursuing the counterfeit view of you need more and you won't be happy until you have more. In saying that, I've had to pray against my uh, covetousness heart when I see some of the big screens in the houses I visit. I think mine's too small right now. I need a big one. <laughs> but contentment, right? Contentment. And he knew that whatever he had, he was able to live out God's plan and purpose for his life. That will be a challenging thought. Did you know that what you have, right, if you believe God is our creator, our provider, is enough to fulfill the plan that he has for you? Hey, sure, there's nothing wrong with, Lord, if you would allow us to go into the next chapter season of our life, that would be awesome. But in, at present, you have all you need to be able to fulfill the plan and purpose of God in your life. And you need to embrace that. Thank you, God. Paul knew it. We can know it. But let me ask, does the way we are going and doing things reflect more of a sense of protecting our little kingdom than it does managing God's provision for His kingdom? Where do you sit in that camp? Are you one of, or are you one of God? This is yours. This belongs to you. We're on a discipleship journey, aren't we? Our prayer, or my prayer is that God, as long as I live, let me become a more deeply committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not secrets in my heart, not things that I, I prevent the Holy Spirit from addressing. No, no, no. Lord, as I grow in, in the faith, Lord, show me, correct me, guide me. Let me see how you see it. Let me not veer away. Where are you on this journey? Where are you on this journey? Holy Spirit, he challenges us in different ways. Where are you on this journey? I want to finish with very quickly, as I said, there's a counterfeit, there's a counterfeit plan and purpose for your life, but there are keys to avoid the counterfeit plan and purpose and to keep your heart set upon the things of God. And let me just share that. The journey from the worldview of this mindset or this heart of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. God wants to take you from that place of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. We need to focus on His sovereignty. His sovereignty. He is sovereign. He is God Almighty. And we put our faith and trust in Him alone. You know, recently I was saying to God, Joe and I are on a bit of a journey, different things that are happening in our life that we're believing for. And I said to Joe, I feel like God, God showed me that um, the place to be is nothing left but trust. <laughs> Not 90%, 10% still hanging on. The moment it's like, all right, 100% trust God. Come through. If you don't, we trust you. If you do, hallelujah. Trust. We declare scripture. God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. There are no limitations to his kingdom. And whatever God's got us to do, he will provide everything we need to get it done. 
Some of us here today are on a journey of fear to trust. So the first one is scarcity to a heart of abundance. Second one, some of us are on a journey here of fear to trust. Can I encourage you to focus on God's provision? He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider, not you. And the real question for us on this journey from fear to trust is, how big is our God? When was the last time you asked yourself, God, how big are you? You know, anything I observe in nature blows my mind about the bigness of God. The birds sitting and, you know, on the pond or whatever, looking at a bird, the, the Lord would, the God would make a bird and there are, you know, there are inner organs in a bird. I'm like, God, even just thinking about that blows my mind. How big is our God? He is big. He's not limited. We put, we try and put God in our limited little mindsets. Tiny, tiny mindsets and brains and try and comprehend a God that is so big. I'm talking about this journey from fear to trust. God wants to take us from being wrapped up in this anxiety-driven world of work and bondage to having a faithfulness-driven work that produces good fruit, that produces peace that produces joy, that produces contentment. Oh, that's how you had intended for us to live, God. Wow, I've got a long way to get away from this fear-mongering into this place of trust, security, knowing that, Lord, you are in control. And what a beautiful place that is to get a revelation of. And the last one, I'll say, scarcity to a heart of abundance a place of fear to a place of trust. And the last one, from bondage to freedom. From bondage to freedom. As I said earlier, a lot of the past with Joe and myself, a lot of the bondage that we had experienced financially was due to our own actions. There is consequences to action. I'm not here to tell you that you know, wish the bills away, wish the debt away. No, there is wisdom. There is God. Help me to know how to spend, what to spend. Help me to have a budget, all that, right? But so much of the bondage that happens can be due to our own actions. So even in your decision-making, Holy Spirit, help me to make the right decision. This is not a decision that I want to do, make lightly. I want you in, involved to, to navigate my path. Please, God. This journey from bondage to freedom. And the key, the key to go from bondage to freedom, can I tell you, brothers and sisters, there's no other key like coming to a place of surrender. Surrender. Who sits on our throne? He does. God, you sit on our throne. If we're going to go from bondage to freedom, we need to be fully surrendered and know who is on our throne. God wants us to manage our possessions, our money from the standpoint of a holy, 100% surrendered steward whose primary goal is faithfulness. Lord, I'll be faithful. 
Lord, I will be faithful with the little. And if I be faithful with the little, Lord, you might give me more. And if you give me more, I'll be faithful with the more. But I will constantly keep in front of my mindset, it is for your purposes, it belongs to you, and I'm a steward of it. Stewarding what is God's with a heart of faithfulness. And when we do that, it's freedom. It's a place of freedom, not a place of bondage. When we realize that it's all God's and we've been faithful, we've been obedient to his plan and purpose, you enter into a place of freedom. Can I have the worship team come and join me this morning?